Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. But our first item today is News and Natter and joining with a couple of stories that have caught her eye is Jen Hogan. Hi, Jen. Hey, Deirdre, how's it going? Very good, thank you. Let's start with how life has changed since the 1990s. Yeah, actually, I really enjoy this piece. I was um, reading this piece in the Irish Times over the weekend, written by Conor Pope. And he was looking at the latest behaviours and attitude studies, which suggests really that we should be a much healthier, more productive race altogether. And are we? We are not. Unfortunately, we are the second most obese nation after... Malta. That's really quite depressing. It's really depressing considering apparently we're told that we're we're as likely to be found in the gym as the pub. Okay, so I I don't understand. Like, what what are we missing? We're we're more, we're in the gym more. We're in the gym more. We know more about food. We're better educated. um, And yet we are getting fatter. And, you know, we're looking at obviously huge pressures on the health system coming down the road, if that's the case. Um, over the next decade, um, I'm trying to see now, 5.4 billion over the next decade, obesity is going to cost the health system, which considering the challenges it's already facing is, is just a bit depressing. But it wasn't all bad news. That's the only thing. It wasn't okay, all bad news. Some, there was, give us some good there news. was some good, good news, particularly around the areas of women's equality, which after the weekend and after what's happened in the States, we could I do know, with a little so, bit of yes. a good news there. So 88% of people now believe that women can work outside the home and be good mums. Ah, look at it. Isn't that lovely of them? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much. <laughs> so, yeah, there we were. Whereas that only used to be seventy-one percent in 90, 1991, which you know, I mean, I can't, it's hard to believe that there are still twelve percent of people doubting that we can be good mothers and work outside the home. But there you have it. Yeah, I, I tell you, what's hard to believe that we're talking about the nineties as if it's so far. Oh, but yes. I know. <laughs> like it's the dark ages. When they said 30 years ago, you're going, so obviously we're going back to the 70s here, isn't know, it? You know, it's, so it's just like, it's I'm just wild. thinking about five years ago. I think that's what's so hard then when you're looking at some of the figures and the statistics to get your head around it. That so recently in our minds, people thought this. OK, so women are, we're doing well. We're, well, in we're, Ireland, kind, we're doing well. We and think. actually there's been a big change even around our stance on abortion and our views on abortion as well. Um a huge change actually. Nowadays 24% of people believe that abortion is always wrong. That figure was 66% in 1991. Okay, that's so that's huge. That's a huge, a huge um, change in, in attitudes. And 61% of people believe that sexual freedom for women is now a good thing versus just the old 49% in, in the 90s. So there's still okay. a hell of a lot of people who don't think it's a good yeah. So, so I, I presume they're the older generations and we 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 like we live in hope. We'd have to presume so. We, people are having fewer children. That was the one thing. Obviously, present company excluded. But for most people, they're having fewer children. I still continue to do my bit for the impending pension crisis. Oh, good so. woman. <laughs> <laughs> I, feel, I feel I have to justify it some way or the other. Okay, mass attendance. I mass, see. Is a, yeah, we're a lot less dropped. holy than we were. Seventy-five percent of people were going to mass in nineteen ninety-one versus only thirty percent now. How are they getting by? I don't How know. How's the church getting by with such a small attendance? You would wonder, wouldn't you? I suppose you still have people turning up maybe on big occasions, you know. And well, you see, we need weddings and Christmas funerals. Christmas and weddings and yep. christenings and perhaps even Easter and communions and confirmations and all those occasions. And I suppose, actually, I was only chatting to Father Paddy Byrne, actually, um, a priest leash about this recently. And he was saying that maybe perhaps this is where the church needs to go, accepting that this is when this is be the connection that they have where people come for special occasions and perhaps don't anymore. And we have to kind of stop obsessing about numbers in the pews. So maybe maybe even these figures suggest that that is actually that's as good as it's going to get. That's the figure. As that much it, as we they, they'd for. probably be they'd be happy if they maintain that. If they figure, maintain that, yeah. And 
that's a uh, yeah that'll be that'll be one to watch. Anyway, it's a huge change. Seventy um, percent, you know, seventy five percent in the nineties yeah. went, and now and now we don't. Not what really. are we doing instead? What are we doing on Sundays? Shopping, is it? Shopping, going to after school, or well, not after school activities because no school on, on Sunday mornings, but going to sports and stuff, I suppose. Yeah, um, shops are catching open. Catching up on sleep, um, working. I don't, literally anything except yeah. going to mass, it seems. Yeah. yeah, it's no longer, obviously it's no longer the day that's held as a day of rest anymore. So people are fitting everything else in instead and not going to mass. But that's a huge, huge change. It's a very a big short, change, culturally, yeah, socially, everything. Culturally, it's, it's huge. Probably also reflective, though, when you look at that change as to why we have such a big difference um, between, say, no, um, opinions on, on abortion, 1991 versus now. Yeah. Probably you'd, something you'd to like do with to it think then. that's the positive. It's the one positive, yeah. perhaps that has well. Now, there's a program in Japan about kids. Can, mm. Kids here can, can be given too much responsibility too young. There's a program in Japan where they send they send children out on yeah. the streets to see how they get by. That's right. <laughs> Tell me about this. Yeah, so this is so Stephanie Friesner was writing about this in uh, the Sunday Independent yesterday. It's called Old Enough. So they send children aged between two and five out. Now two. Ah, to no, five. listen, listen. <laughs> I'm thinking of the, the 16 and 18 year old at home and I'm going, could I trust them to go down to the local shop and get me three different things? If the list was three different things and I didn't write it down, how much so are they coming home with? Ju- just to paint a picture here, yeah. this programme has been on Japanese television yeah. for a couple for of decades, of it, I believe. it's like their Late Late Show. It's like, you know, revered. And is this, and like, is this for entertainment value? Let's see if a, a four year old can go to the shops and get the and messages manage. and do and yeah. manage. And but they're, they're not completely alone. Somebody is watching them. So there are, For the there sake are of television. people dressed up as council workers and they're keeping an eye on them. But apparently the children do get distressed. So they're told, don't get distressed, mammy or granny or whoever is depending on you. Stephanie was saying she doesn't think, because when you look at the happy faces at the end, she doesn't think it's possibly caused them too much stress. But I'm recoiling in horror looking at this going, two to five? Who could let a two to five year old go down to the shop? But there was some very relevant points made because they did talk about autonomy and experts have come in and said, if we don't allow children to do things when they're capable of doing it, it it's actually as bad for them as not having enough exercise or enough sleep. Oh, listen, I absolutely agree yeah. with that. And COVID definitely set kids back, yeah. Yeah. you know, from their independence was slowed up, mm-hmm. I think. I mean, I, I've got a son now who, who's, I'm having to teach him how to use the dart and go down with them and tell yeah. him, whereas he should have been doing it over the last two years. But that's okay. They're small steps. and But that's really true. And that's what you can really see. You can see the fallout from the pandemic and you can see it with children in particular because they, their childhoods were frozen and the normal things that they should have got to do and learned at particular stages didn't happen. Yeah, they didn't. And so, you know, time moved on and chronologically they're a certain age, but the experiences they should have had, they haven't had. So now we're playing catch up. Yeah, but now send them to the child to the shop at age four where there's a big road to cross. Yeah. Not a great idea. Or even the idea of them being stressed and worried about it. That's horrible too. I don't it's even like the idea of the programme, even for entertainment <laughs> value. I don't want to watch yeah. a four-year-old struggling and stressed and harassed yeah. about crossing apparently the road and remembering what the message was. It's worth it for the smile at the end, apparently. Really? Yeah. Okay, I, don't know. I, I believe to, The jury's you. out. I haven't seen it, so I can say I haven't to take Stephanie's word. On this okay, I'm not, I won't make any comments. Apparently, about the Japanese. So. I personally think that's bonkers. But nevertheless, what did I just say? No I won't make any comment on this. <laughs> Loneliness is our new plague. Tell me about this. Yeah, so again, Julia Maloney was writing about this in the Sunday Independent and she was speaking about the the, the very sad deaths of Nicholas and Hilary Smith in Tipperary. And as we know, they've possibly been dead for 18 months. Um, 
And this is the older couple who are found. Is the older couple, the English couple who are found um, found dead at home. And it's just, I think this it's This is really, an unbelievable story. This has shocked everybody. It and has. The idea that somebody could be dead for 18 months and not discovered. Um, and I know that there were different um, different parts of the story that seemed to be coming together. There were a couple of largely kept themselves. There were suggestions they were moving away. And so... Um, people, I suppose, had, didn't maybe have the reason to have reason to suspect that there was anything wrong. But eighteen months. But 18. listen, but what, was there a suggestion that they didn't want to be discovered? Is well, we don't seem to know. I mean, there was in terms of what happened. There's talk that one um, person died of natural uh, natural causes, but they think that perhaps too long has lapsed to even know what's happened, how they died, it's exactly such a what wild happened. So story. It's such I presume there's going to be some TV show, some podcast, something. Like it's 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 a wild story. It's, it's crazy. And it's really it's really tragic and really sad. And even now that they're still looking for for relatives or um, for them, is really sad. But Julia um, looked into the whole idea of loneliness and how maybe that this is our plague now and this is the thing that we're dealing with and particularly in the wake of the pandemic and COVID and and the restrictions and how you know we all did become quite insular you know into our families into if if you're living alone you were on your own save perhaps somebody thinking to pop to the shops for you or get something for you if you're ill and you weren't able able to and that we have you know we're still very much getting used to life now where we can mix again and you go into a room and the room's full and everybody's able to nobody even even though those kind of social awkward things. Do you shake hands? Do you hug? Are we allowed? Who's I know. We still what? don't know we're what still, to do. We're still like that. But the whole, there are some people going to be left behind as there always have been. And before, there's no point of pretending before the pandemic all was perfect because it wasn't. There were, we had huge issues with loneliness too. We would have heard from Age Action with loneliness amongst uh, older people. But we're hearing about it now with younger people but too. But that's the shock. That's what's surprising me that the loneliness is rife amongst the younger yeah. generation. Why is that? We think they're all connected. They've got their phones. They seem to be never off them talking to their friends. So where is that coming from with the younger people? I suppose it's getting into those habits, isn't it, of actually just um, connecting online. And there is research which actually shows that for perhaps maybe a teenager, for example, that they're actually better off having some access to social media than none, that they're likely to have higher levels of depression if they have no access at all. Whereas well, certainly a lot of parents COVID, are saying pulling were, them away. It they were dependent on it. Absolutely essential. It was and a then lifesaver for we had so re- many people. For so many. And the recent study showed obviously that 55% of young women say that they're depressed and 40% of young men and these are horrifying Very statistics. figures. Really, but we took everything away. Like we can't, I suppose that's the thing that we have to remember as the panda, as we as we move on, as we navigate life, not quite post-COVID, but life in COVID with COVID as it is now, that we are going to have to pick up the pieces and the fallout and we took everything away from young people. They were starting college only, they were doing it from a bedroom in their house so they didn't get to make those connections. They didn't get to, to meet milestones. What, what I hear an awful lot from parents, particularly of parents in and around the 15 year old mark that is that their children are really struggling with loneliness so even if we take it down to the teenagers because they were perhaps maybe around 12 when this when when restrictions right. first hit at this kind of age where they might have got a bit more independence, they're moving to secondary school, they'd have got out and got to mix a little bit more, got to know new people, got to maybe go and hang out in town or hang out in places without an adult there. That didn't happen and they fell into habits of staying connected online if if they stayed connected online and that was the best people could hope for. And those habits have continued and you've actually got parents pushing their teenagers out the door. But even if they manage to get a 15-year-old motivated enough to meet up with a pal, you can't be sure that the other the pal, the other end is necessarily motivated 
standard because their norm has stayed and it's trying to break away from this. And, and also, like we were just talking about with the dart there, they never got to navigate these things at a younger age. And so now here they are, 15, 14, no, 15, and 16, the things that we just, do it now. We just took for granted the using for, of the dart and yeah. the going to meet your friend and getting on your bike to meet your friend. I mean, we all sustained it as much as possible, but there were still huge still things missing. Fallout. But 15 to 16 year olds lacking in social skills, that really saddens me. It's really sad. And again, it's the sort of thing I really do hope that they will pick up on um, and, and support our teenagers afterwards. I mean, they were really heavily impacted and by 12 year olds are suffering from depression. I, I don't want to depress everybody who's listening now, but that it's, is heartbreaking to it's, think it's that that might be the case. Think, but across the board, you will hear of childcare professionals and experts reporting increased levels of anxiety um, amongst children and difficulties with social interactions. And it's no wonder we took away the tools, we took away the opportunities for them to to develop so these and then we want them, so uh, now we need to offer them the supports and help them and realize that their age is not an indicator of where they are and no. it can't be because we froze their childhood was frozen right, and so now give them more attention help give them, them more time, give them a bit more leeway give them, them a bit, a bit more love cuddle yeah. them more you mentioned childcare i think very quickly we have a chance to talk about that childcare yes so valerie flynn was writing about this in the sunday times um we're talking there was um uh some modelling done by the Department of Children and Youth Affairs which suggests that it is going to cost €261 million if we're going to raise childcare subsidies from €20 Euro to €100 Euro per week but we are going to have to do something desperately. I wish they'd get on with it. I, I'm so long? sick of this conversation. Yeah. Would you just deal with it? It's women who suffer on this uh, subject. Absolutely. Every single women, time. Women oh, women maybe I'll stay at home. Oh yeah, and then all your career prospects go out the window. Yep. And it's it has been going on for as long as I can remember. And that's exactly what you said there, Deirdre. I mean, we have a situation here where we have a lower number of women working than the EU average if they have a child under the age of three. And now for anybody who's got school age children, they're facing into a new panic here because the schools I just, are I just schools can't fathom why they can't fix this. Yeah, in my mind, this is just straightforward sums. Yep. They're going to work contributing to the economy by paying their mm-hmm. taxes. Surely that will cancel out the cost of the childcare. Just fix it. If this was about men, it would be fixed. Oh. But who it? That's what you. That's it exactly. It is always women picking up the slack. It's women who'll step away from work. Women who'll take career breaks. Women. Well, who I'm not stepping away again. I stepped away line. once, and I'm back now, and I'm not stepping away for anything. Good they woman, yourself. Get it right for God's sake. We have we we deal with we have a lot of work to do, an awful lot of work to do. When you look at the statistics and see how we are in comparison to other countries and the impacts, the disproportionate impacts that Irish women are feeling. But on we go, on we go in the hope that they will actually do something. And they'll have to look also at the aspects of childcare that aren't formal childcare, or childminders who aren't reported to two, don't report to two. So the, the informal childcare. Yeah, no, this the relative, is what they did. Too much red tape. Get rid of all these sort of things. Yeah, we well, need to look at in the whole picture. And actually, extreme of a reaction there. Get rid of all the red tape. Maybe just a bit of the. Red tape. Bit of red tape okay. and make and create more childcare places because we've a shortage of them too. Okay, Jen, thank you so Pleasure. much. That's all we have time for, but thank you. And Moncrief brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at two p.m. on News Talk.